In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 66. She works hard for the money. For the money. For that money. She's working hard for it, Erin. She's working hard for the money. (laughs) I'm trying not to sing it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh But it is going through our heads, and now it's going through your heads, listeners, because you should know this song by Mm -hmm. Donna Summer. And I picked it this week because, for some reason, Donna Summer called to me. And then I thought of this song from 1983. And realized, man, we read a lot of stuff about women working hard for the money. For the money. So we should talk about that. Yes. Hence this episode. Here we are. Here we are. Working hard for it. Yeah. What was your first job, Amy? Oh, um, well, I think I, like every other um, uh, young girl, became a babysitter. Yes. Way earlier than I should have been. (laughs) To be honest, <laughs> um, unpaid babysitter for my brothers when I was around 10. And then probably when I was 11 or 12, started babysitting like neighborhood kids. I had no real knowledge of babies or sitting for babies, but I did it. But you did it. And I made some money. And they're still alive. They're I mean, they were alive when you left. They were alive so. when I left. Who yeah. knows if they are now? <laughs> they may be real effed up now. <laughs> but not because of you. Not in that short amount of time. <laughs> That's true. No damage. Um, I learned a few things. One, uh, that I didn't want children of my own if I hadn't realized that earlier. Mm -hmm. And two, um, you can't pay enough to really take good care of children. Because at some point in my head, I'm like, I just want to get the F out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care how good these kids are or shitty. Yeah. The money you're going to give me at the end of this night is not worth it. It's not going to be enough. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is probably a, a common experience for a lot of girls, don't you think? I would imagine. Aren't we pushed yeah. into babysitting oh, yeah, at a young for age? Sure. Yeah. yeah, Because we're supposed to know what to do because yeah. we're girls. And it's like the only like legitimate way to earn money before yeah. a place will hire you. So Yes. Child yeah. labor is accepted in the babysitting in realm. The babysitting realm. Mm-hmm. In the area that you might argue it should have be. the most impact. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, Aaron, mm-hmm. what was the best job you ever had? college oh oh wait is it the woman that uh with no. the naked picture no. no okay that was a bad job that was decidedly <laughs> you were a nanny bad yeah i was a, nanny. a lady yep. that was just straight up topless and toxic and <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that was bad uh i had a job at the social center for social and behavioral research in college Whoa. which is fancy for saying yeah. that i did telephone surveys 
for the state of Iowa. So they would be contracted by different um, agencies that were trying to do research about different things. You know, we see them all the time in the news, like 70% of Iowans think this. So when I very first started, the survey that we were doing was about can recycling, about whether or not people thought that the five cents should still be, which... I'm way out of college, and here we are still talking about that. So that uh survey really hit the mark. Sure did. The second survey I did was about (laughs) sexual practices in Iowa. So I had to convince people to stay on the phone and answer (gasps) questions in all kinds of... So the more that you went into the study, we were trying to hit certain age ranges. So you'd have questions at the beginning to like weed people out, like, how old are you? You know, where do you live? It's like, because you had to get a sampling from every county, from every age group. And so for some reason, I was really skilled at getting elderly people to (laughs) discuss their sexual practices with me they would stay on the phone and so when i would come in they'd be like we loaded up your call screen with these counties we need these age ranges like see what you can do because they would and i loved it because i don't know why it was it was so easy yeah and it wasn't hard like i just was whatever they were trusting i guess and and it was very entertaining Wow. Really past the time. Were they very open with their sexual yeah. practices? Some people yeah. would get into it and then be like, maybe they thought like they, I remind them their granddaughter or something and then we get into it and Ooh. they're like, whoa, no, I'm yeah. not answering that question. But it was also super fun to say questions like that. Like it was totally normal to just ask someone that in conversation and then just wait for them to either freak out or answer. Do you remember any of the questions? Um, any that you can share? Yeah, there was questions about like how many partners do you have at this time in your life? Oh. There was. Yeah, I mean, it was general. It wasn't like super in-depth, but uh-huh. it was questions that like you don't normally ask someone yeah, really in any an, setting. An elderly person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. How many so, people are you getting it with, Grandma? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about in the last year? Ooh. What about, you know, yeah, it was. And then depending on what the answer, it could bring up more answers. And the more you did it, you knew when you hit one, what was going to bring up the next. So if someone would say something, you'd be like, oh, boy, Here I got a live go. one. I'm getting the next set of questions. <laughs> and I loved it because it was the time went by so fast. And it was fun and it didn't feel like it was any, it sort of felt like it was serving a purpose, but also it meant nothing. So I took my money and it paid super well for a college job. Yeah. Yeah. The training was really intense, but then once you got out of the training, it was like, cause obviously they're trying to keep their statistics, you know, keep the integrity. So there are certain things you could or couldn't say or, you know. Wow. Mm -hmm. And also, because I had no stakes in it, like getting yelled at people was funny. Yeah. Like it was hilarious. So, and also I could control it. Like, I mean, I could mute them (laughs) and then unmute them. Like they'd just be recorded, but I wouldn't be, you know, it was great. Wow. When I asked you this question, I did not expect to hear about talking about sex with elderly people. Right? Yeah. Excellent. I loved it. What was the uh, worst job you ever had? Well, in a very strange turn of events, uh, I was a telemarketer. (laughs) (laughs) Also in college. (laughs) Yeah, you were. (laughs) But I was not talking to elderly people about sex. I was uh, trying to sell a credit card or something. Okay, And it was, uh, you know, it was in Iowa City and it was in some like underground, you know, Mm -hmm. office thing. And yeah, I was calling people to like sell them a new type of Discover card or something like that. But my problem was when people would get upset, I would get upset and I'd be oh. like, oh God, like, oh, this is like, it was starting to wear me down. Yeah. There were some people that would try and F with me too. Like there was some, oh. I, like, uh, there was an older guy that I said, hello, sir, how are you today? And he's like, I'm having a heart attack. And I'm like, oh, 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 I'm. I'm what? I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I need to get off the phone right now. I'm like, okay, I feel better. And then just sort of hung up. That's all you can do in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. But then I got a lot of people like reaming me out for, you know, calling me at certain hour, calling yeah. them at certain hours and all that, which I totally understood. I understood from the minute I started, I was the bad guy and I didn't like it. I didn't last very long there. Yeah. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's an interesting difference between you and me. It just went right off. It just, you know, didn't bother you at all. Yeah. And me, I was turned into a husk of a person. it would have bothered me if it was, like, telemarketing. Like, that, it would have been hard to do. But it felt like there was a 
purpose, I guess. Well, and then when people did sign up, I felt so gross because I was oh, like, I was yeah. reading to them like all of these disclaimers and all the mm-hmm. things about the APR. And in my head, I'm like, oh, these people are going to like, th- this is this, gonna hurt. Yeah, this, this is gonna be gonna, bad. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt um, gross and dirty. And, and I feel like we should clarify for the youths that <laughs> we were calling people oh, on their landlines. Yeah. This is when yeah, yeah, it yeah. was land. I mean, yeah. most people didn't have cell phones. So this, that's, Mm-mm. these things were much more popular because you could easily get everyone it's a great point to make because this was mm-hmm. 1995 yeah no cell phones like mm-hmm. this is yeah you know probably interrupting people at dinner mm-hmm. they're thinking it's you know an emergency call from a family member and yes. no it's just amy from iowa trying to sell them a discover card or aaron from iowa trying to ask about their <laughs> sexual practices in the middle of sunday dinner <laughs> what are you doing blasphemous <laughs> um aaron i've got mm-hmm. another important question oh, for you yes. you know kind mm-hmm. of around work Mm-hmm. Um, how do you respond to the idea that, that women can just have it all? First of all, define all. Yeah, good point. Because what am I even working for here? Yeah. Second of all, no, I reject it on every level. Mm-hmm. This, I don't even, that is one of those phrases that I just, it, inside, my insides want to come out when yeah. I hear it. Because yeah. I think it comes from this idea, oh, like you can have the happy family and the husband and the job and the do everything, which first of all, it's not possible. It's not possible to do Mm-mm. all those things and feel like you're succeeding at all of them. Right. And That's, you've talked about this before yes. that sometimes, you know, if you're feeling like you're doing good at work, you feel like, oh, shit, I'm not doing great in the parenting. If exactly. I'm doing great at parenting, I feel like I could work harder at work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's never ending. Never ending cycle. And it's been set up that way on purpose. So I reject it as something that people use to keep women down. Absolutely. Because they don't ask men. Yeah. Can you have it all? Can you have it all? Because of course they can't. Because they just get a woman to do all the stuff they don't want to do. And then they go to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. You've made it impossible for me to do that. So don't tell me to play a game when you know I can't win. (laughs) I reject it. Like the lottery. It does. It feels like an impossible win. standard, just like every other yes. beauty standard, every other yes. body standard. Like it's and it's so vague. All women can have it all. What does that even mean? Yeah. What if I don't want any of those things? Exactly. Why do I have to fit into your short little box of what all is? And meanwhile, I'm going to be putting all my energy and my thought into trying to have it all. Where meanwhile, the government is fucking us over, and like we're yes. we don't have any energy to think about all the other stuff in the world that's mm-hmm. happening. Yes. Yeah. And don't forget that all is supposed to also include that you have the perfect body and you look great oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, and yeah. You ha- wear all the right clothes and have all the right friends and do all the fun things and take all the right vacations. And mm-hmm. yes, you're great at your job and you're great at being a mom and yes. you're great on the PTA because you know you got time for that too. And guess what? You're not crying in the shower. You're not, you know, doing all the things no. that we actual normal women do. No. Yeah. Yeah. You're crying in the shower every day. <laughs> On the daily. Sometimes you're taking two showers to yeah, get a second just cry. Just to cry. Just to cry and wipe those tears away. <laughs> and steam. <laughs> well, on that same vein, what's something that you think men don't understand about women in the workplace? I don't think men understand how many times we have to smile to keep the peace. How we have to a good one. giggle to sort of... <laughs> Your joke's just, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. How many times we have to do something like that to preserve the male ego, oh. to to sort of, you know, work through or avoid tantrums. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times we are really doing the work of trying to keep this whole thing moving. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And how if we didn't... So many projects, so many meetings, so many everything would be sidelined by men who don't seem to have to worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 100%. So many conference calls I can think about, so many meetings in previous jobs where that was absolutely the thing. Mm -hmm. And we just have to smile and then go to the bathroom and hit the wall with the palm of your hand until it turns red. Yeah. Because there's like an accepted way that we can bring stuff up or challenge something, but they can do it however they want. However they want. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the angrier, the more incensed, the better with them, whereas we have to couch everything we say with sort of softness. We we can't be too assertive. We can't be too... can't be too bitchy. We mm-hmm. can't have to wrap the right face, the right everything, mm-hmm. or else, oh, Jesus, it's just, you know, yeah. the woman saying something again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. so I don't think men have any concept of how much behind the scenes thought and action we're putting into every single interaction. Mm-hmm. 
that's depressing. Kind it of. is depressing. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I don't know where we go from there. That's real depressing. It is real depressing. That's the world. But guess what? We can have it all. We, we just can. have to, yeah, we just have to, you know, placate all the men at the work. Right. And then go home. And, you know, basically we have to um, put ourselves into a tiny little ball inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just never question anything or. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's how you can have it all. <laughs> Somehow you'll get it all. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. So thinking about jobs that are terrible, that are good, mm-hmm. you know, things that we women have to do at jobs. Do you think there's a job that's underrated? Yeah. Barista. <laughs> I would do it in a heartbeat. You know why? I get no more joy in my life than getting that oh, cup of shit. coffee. And if anything, that has been come more obvious during the pandemic you're when, right uh, that is terrific they are purveyors of joy yes and it's totally something i can control 100 percent. yeah i can either put soy milk in or not and then that's going to be the angry customer is going to be on me i have mm-hmm. direct control over the end product yeah which is so here i am giving it to you i even put a smiley face next to your name i don't think i spelled your name right but i don't care but i'm trying because this is a cup of gold and you're yes. happy you are going to drink this and mm-hmm. feel like you can have it all. I also feel like as a barista, there's some level of customer service that you can kind of fudge. Like you're, it's okay if you're kind of quirky and not really like maybe as great as a waiter or waitress. Oh, yeah. There's a lower expectation. Oh, for sure. So you can kind of be a jerk and yeah. get away with it a uh-huh. little bit. Because you're sort of an artist. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're most likely struggling. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. 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 I made that tree out of foam on the top. I can be a dick to you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have tattoos up and down my neck, mm-hmm. so I can be an asshole. Yeah. I wrote a whole poem on the side of this <laughs> cup because it came to me, but I didn't say hi. Sue me. I'm just saying it's underrated. They should be. It is. Yeah. Man, you're right. Who's it's that? a lot of responsibility, too. I don't think I could handle that responsibility. No. Tell me someone that gets a cup of coffee, like a good cup of coffee like that, that isn't just instantly a little bit happier. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And you know, going to a coffee place that you are going to be happier mm-hmm. when you get the final product. Yes. That is not always the case. No. No. Oh, man. We should be paying baristas like professional athletes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they would appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe teachers too, but yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, All right. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, so thinking about uh, working hard for that, that money, money, I've got a fiction pick. Yeah, that's all about it. It's called The Whisper Network from Chandler Baker mm-hmm. from 2019. And in the book, four women have worked at this Dallas company called TrueViv for years. And some of them are part of the legal team. One of them is a cleaner. All of them work super hard, right? They, um, and the, the high-powered ones of the group, the ones on the legal team, that hard work is even harder because they have to be wearing the tight clothes. They have to have the tight bodies. They have insane demands at home. They have a lack of time, but they're trying to do everything right. And then for the working moms, you know, they're pumping away in a closet while they're still trying to work and have it all. Have it all. And then the woman who's a night shift cleaner, Rosalita, she knows a lot of the company's secrets, but she has so much additional financial and personal pressure because of her low-paying job. Mm -hmm. All of them, they learned that their boss, Ames, is going to be named CEO. He's a guy they've known forever and one with lots of rumors about how he treats women. Mm. Some of the women have firsthand experience with this treatment. Oh, boy. So the whispers about him have always been ignored by those in power. But now these women, they're feeling galvanized. And one of them adds Ames's name to a bad men in the industry making its way. This list that's making its way around the city. Oh. So what happens next is massive changes in each of the women's lives. This insane sort of almost soapy drama and a dead body. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, What's great is the... At the very beginning, there's this sort of alternating voice that you hear that's a like a, almost a we, like a Greek chorus or something, like oh. all the women working at the company. Yeah. And it says, if only you had listened to us, none of this would have happened. That's the way the book starts. Mm. It's an excellent start. So you got a bit of a legal thriller. Yes. And Chandler Baker is a lawyer herself. So she's writing with cool. this in amazing knowledge. Yeah. And you got a little bit of mystery. It's, it's terrific. And... 
what's really cool is I could see ties here to, I don't know if you remember, but in 2017 with a lot of the Me Too stuff just starting to, you know, ramp up, there was a list of men in the media industry, um, like bad men in Mm -hmm. the media industry, all accused of sexual harassment. And it was created by a journalist. So there's... There's some ties here yeah. to that, you okay. know, and I like that. Um, I picked it for this theme because the the women are getting shit done, you know, but mm-hmm. they have to contend with awful men like Ames, mm-hmm. and they have to act like it's all cool. They don't want to be the one causing trouble. They don't want to be the woman who can't hang in a boy's world, mm-hmm. right? So the pressures put on women in this firm make them resent and compete with one another at first, as often happens. But what's great is when they unite, which they do, then they start having some crazy power. Yeah. Whisper Network. I love it. (laughs) Well, in a super ride or die, I also kind of picked a legal thriller. Did you? Yes. It's called A Good Marriage by Kimberly McCrate. Uh, This was just published in May 2020. Um, She's a lawyer herself, or she went to law school. She graduated from Vassar. So the legal angle in the book is right on par you know you feel like you're right there but it the, one of the main characters lizzie um she's a lawyer and she went into law because she really wanted to work at the u.s attorney's office but she's had to take this job with a big expensive law firm because her husband sam um is struggling with alcoholism and was in an accident and they're being sued and so as part of getting it to go away they've agreed to pay an enormous amount of sum over two years oh, so she shit. he's a writer and he had lost his job because of it so she's really the only one that has the power to bring in the money so she has to take this job that she doesn't really want mm-hmm. so she's working late putting in the hours and she gets a call from zach a person that she went to law school with and they were really really good friends and then they kind of lost touch um, and he calls her from rikers island where he's being held because his wife was found dead at the bottom of their stairs, he was there holding a golf club, and she was clearly beat to death. And so they didn't arrest him for the murder. They arrested him for assaulting an officer, because an officer tried to pull him out, and he pulled his arm back to say, let me go, and he hit the officer in the face. So standard practice in Lizzie's mind, because they're trying to get enough evidence to charge him with murder, so they keep him at Rikers Island. So he's begging her to take the case. The thing about Zach is that he is a multi-multi-millionaire. He started a, a tech company that then he sold for millions and millions of dollars. So he could have any lawyer, but he's begging for her uh, because he says he needs someone that knows him, that's going to believe in him. He's always had kind of an odd personality, so he thinks that she's the one. Uh, well, she says there's no way that her law firm's going to let her take the case, but she talks to her boss who unbeknownst to her has his own bone to pick and says, yeah, let's do it. So she ends up getting wrapped up in this whole world where she's trying to unravel this life of Zach's wife, who Zach turns out doesn't really know that well. Seems like maybe it was more of a marriage for the outside and not really on the inside. And she's learning all kinds of things about other people's marriages in this small, tight-knit community where they were living. Um, And in the meantime, she's struggling with her own marriage and putting to bed some things about her parents' marriage. So... It's a crazy plot, great mystery, tons of twists and turns, so it's a real page turner, but there's also a lot in there about relationships and how we can't really decide what works for someone else and what doesn't. Like from the outside, something looks good, maybe it's not, or from the outside, it looks bad, but maybe it's not. Um, For me, obviously I picked it because she's a hustler. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's trying to make the money. You know, trying to get her husband out of trouble. And also she's works incredibly through this case to find the actual truth. But I also picked it because it's kind of like the grown up John Grisham, if you want (laughs) to put it that way. I used to love John Grisham, but then they sort of became formulaic. Yeah, for sure. But what I always liked about it was the legal angle. Mm -hmm. I liked seeing that part of it play out. And I think that it's done brilliantly here and in obviously a way better way. And so there's a great story about relationships but also just about the legal system and justice and how we can jump to conclusions and not really see everything for what it is Mm -hmm. oh very enjoyable and she's working hard for that money she is she's killing it that's a lot of pressure yeah well of course we both chose legal takes yeah that's how it works yeah oh boy well my other genre book is called spinster making a life of one's own this is from Kate Bullock in 2015. Okay. Um, so there's a question that she asked 
in an article for The Atlantic in 2011, and that was, Can I Spend My Life Alone and Still Be Happy? Mm. So she wrote an article, like I said, about this question, where she'd recently broke up with a long-term boyfriend and was pretty happy about it, but this nagging question remained, like, you know, can I be alone? Should I be alone, but still be happy? So the article, when it hit, was so sort of provocative and popular that immediately she got a book deal. So in the book, she digs deep into what it means to live independently, looking at a a collection of past women who lived alone, all of them writers, and with a life lived alone, they got shit done. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say that this book is about how, how, like, all women should ditch marriage and kids in order to follow their dreams and to, you know, get shit done. Not like that. Instead, Kate says like with her own experiences and with some of the writers that she profiles that this standard narrative for women that, you know, you grow up, you get married, you have kids. It shouldn't have to be the standard. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's okay if we choose something different. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that a life lived alone is all glamorous travel and like, you know, romance and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, Kate writes a lot about living a life of kind of quiet, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, the the day to day reality of living alone, you know, reading and working and living what, you know, some people might call selfishly, yeah. you know, just for her own self. And Kate has this drive inside, even as she's with boyfriends, to be alone mm-hmm. and to be free. And so when she looks at past like spinsters, right, which was the term that could be used for women who never got married, never had kids, all that, a very sort of derogative term. Right. I don't know if it still exists now, but I mean, because she kind of brings it back almost as, as like a historical term. Yeah. I think in some ways you could still say that it exists in some ways, but she... It's like she, cat lady now, <laughs> kind of. Oh my God, it is. Yeah. Cat lady is the modern spinster. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah, because I do think spinster is kind of an antiquated word. Yes. But it has, a. I mean, it's the same meaning. Yes. It's just a different version. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she looks at past spinsters like Maeve Brennan, who was a staff writer for The New Yorker, who wrote about the single lady life in New York City back in the 1930s. Mm. Um, she looks at Edna St. Vincent Millay, Edith Wharton, Neith Boyce, and Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And each one, like looking at them, talking through their life, gives Kate uh, insight into how women have rejected this standard narrative mm-hmm. and invented a new life. And I chose this for a few reasons. One, you know, when Kate looks at some of the women in the past, she sees that, you know, by removing some of this search for marriage and kids that so many of us are feeling like we have to do, those women created highly fulfilling lives created work that has lived beyond them, they really got shit done. Mm -hmm. But also I chose it, you know, because I've never wanted marriage and kids. And so I was very drawn to this book immediately. And I've kind of been in her place where the joy of being alone far outweighs any benefits of potentially being with someone else. Right. And what I found and what Kate really talks about too is when you say you don't want these things as a woman, um, it's it's very strange for people and you feel like you have to work harder a little bit to find what gives you joy what gives you passion what your life is really about right you know so it it felt like kate had some of the same thoughts and so she looked to some of maybe our lesser known female ancestors for good examples and it it helped her understand herself better helped uh, understand you know what rejecting this narrative could mean for people um, so I really enjoyed it for that reason. I think it's a perfect pick for this, too, just to show that, you know, sometimes not having it all is actually maybe the key to getting some shit done and living yeah. a fulfilling life and living yeah. a joy-filled life. Absolutely. So, yeah. You know, when you were at the beginning, when you mentioned that um, she had this great article and then she got a book deal, that was one thing that we didn't really talk about is the difference for men and women kind of in the publishing industry yes. and the pressure I feel like sometimes female writers face, mm-hmm. you know, they had something successful and now you've got to create this. And there's almost this extra level of criticism that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you start talking about something potentially scandalous like yes. this, that you, you don't want to get married, you don't want to have kids, mm-hmm. then there's even more pressure put on potentially. Mm-hmm. I also feel like there's an added layer for women in publishing too. That even though you're a writer, if you look nice yes. you might get a little more attention yes. than someone who doesn't yeah which is so fucked up mm-hmm. but it's true it's and, so true or it, and it particularly even from what books get picked up mm-hmm. you know that's been a thing that's been you know batted around before that oh that makes a good book mm-hmm. jacket for sure picture, you know yeah 
or that's going to be easy to market her. So mm-hmm. you can almost tell sometimes when they're really banking on that too, by how big the author picture is. Yes. Cause on some hardcovers, I don't know, like even, yes. uh, well, I don't want to name any names, but like, you know, maybe a whole back cover is a uh-huh. picture of the author and you're like, Oh, okay. We're, uh, mm-hmm. we're going this route. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like a little tiny one, like those tiny school size pictures that you're supposed to hand out to your friends that you could put in a locket on the inside. Yes. We shrunk you down to. Yeah. It's really just your nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So spinster. Spinster. I think you're so right, though, about the modern name for it. Cat lady. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, technically, I'm a cat lady, but I don't have a cat anymore. But I do have feral cats outside. You do. So for those of you that might follow me on Instagram, I posted a video. Of and feral if you kittens. don't, you should, because yeah. just for that video, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feral cats have taken up uh, residence. I think I've updated our listeners multiple times about this, but yeah, there's, um, you know, kitty piles happening kitty. on my <laughs> <laughs> actual piles of kitties. actual piles, piles of, of kitties. kitties. Yeah. On my outdoor furniture. It's adorable, as you might imagine. <sighs> Super cute. Super cute. Yeah. They do start messing up, you know, yeah. some of my stuff. They've left piles of poop. Mm-hmm. I had to get rid of a rug. I feel like if you were fully embracing Cat Lady, you would want them inside. Yeah, and you've, which I don't. you've drawn a definite line, yeah. which tells me that you're safely not in Cat Lady mm-hmm. territory. I have considered names for all of them. Does that that's, put that's me in normal. Cat Lady? That's Why normal, wouldn't right? You? Exactly. You have to. Yeah. That's just sign of creativity. Right. Yeah. That's exactly it. If you don't name them, I would question whether you're human. <laughs> Are you a robot? How did you not think that there should be names? And I will admit, there are two reasons why I don't want to bring the cats inside. One, I just don't want, I'm not ready for another cat in the house, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and two, uh, their mom has eyed me down on multiple occasions, and I fear for my life if I were to steal one of her kittens. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think it's kind of a commit to the whole group or none situation. Oh, yeah. 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 Which, I yeah, I can't have quintuplet cats in here. That's just... And also just yeah. seeing these kittens at just for various moments, they are very active. Like there's a reason I didn't want to have kids. And these, <laughs> this is like, this would be like just babies crawling all over and needing like, and jumping and pouncing yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, and now I'm I can't. I'm going to take a nap and then no, I'm awake. And I can't then, handle yeah. it. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. They're good. They're good outside. They're good outside. They're yeah. fun to watch through yeah, the window. Absolutely. Take videos, post them. Yeah. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the um, nonfiction book that I picked this week is called Revolting Prostitutes. By <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Revolting Prostitutes. That's what I said. Wow. By Molly Smith and Juno Mack. And this is a book that came out in 2018. It was published by Verso Books, which, by the way, is the largest independent radical publishing house in the English speaking world. Whoa. Publishing 100 books a year. I know, right? I didn't even, I just looked them up because of this book, but, um, which by the way, listeners, they're running a deal right now that, uh, all their books are 40% off for their 50th anniversary. So, oh my gosh, right? get in on there. That's a good deal. Plus after I tell you about this book, you're going to want it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, both of these authors are sex workers. And so they are, it's, this book is written in English, but it focuses in the UK where the authors are located. And basically what they do is break down every theory about sex work and what we need to do as a society, what would actually be giving them rights, what would actually be humane. They go through every theory and explain how sex workers actually feel about it, how it works in practice, what's wrong with it, what's great about it. Um, and it is it is accessible. It's interesting. It's a topic that we don't talk about a lot. Um, and I didn't know a lot of history about. And so that was very interesting to they take you from the beginning of people um, advocating for sex workers. They even challenge your definition of a sex worker. Wow. So it, it was very, from that perspective, very interesting. They, they did a lot about how um, in the different ways of feminism, they've been left out and yeah. often shunned um, because people didn't see, didn't understand how that could be a feminist thought um, because of the taboo of sex. And so it's they talk about whether it should be illegal just for the person buying it whether it should be illegal on both sides whether it should be legal on both ends what implications Mm -hmm. that has um whether brothels should be legal or not it's escort services they really take everything and break it down and they're speaking from a place of knowledge they're speaking from their own experiences from their own research it's incredibly well written now, I'm not going to lie to you. It is dense. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to get through um, because there's a lot of theory in there. And okay. so 
working through that, you know, and, and letting that absorb sometimes, especially for me with nonfiction, sometimes I like to read it in chunks and mm-hmm. really, you know, it, it builds. So I want to understand it before I move on to the next piece. And that was definitely true in this book. If you're looking for stories about sex work, that's, this is not that book. Okay. This is, this is like, I mean, they might give examples, but it's really talking about in practice what's happened in different countries when they've tried different things. Mm-hmm. And they really focus on the fact that a lot of times in, in these legal situations, no one asks what the sex worker wants. They start to advocate or say, this is what should happen without actually taking into account the person that it affects. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it was very interesting. Um, I read some reviews about it just to see how it was received. Um, I think it's great, but it was very well received in the industry. Um, they ran out, their first printing ran out in like two days. Oh, wow. They didn't anticipate that. I mean, and it's like tons of great reviews, tons of uh, people in the sex industry that said like, this is the book, like this is what we've been waiting for. This is saying exactly how we feel. Um, so that's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's, it's really, really good. Wow. I had never read anything like it. Um, I think I maybe peripherally understood some issues For sure, with but sex like you work, said, but... I think there's so many, um, there's a lot of talk about and around, yes. not necessarily including the actual sex workers themselves. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Mm-hmm. And they were, um, the reason that I came upon this book is that they were actually, a, it, a podcast that I recommended, I think in our first episode, Criminal. Yeah. One of them was interviewed or referenced in an episode where she was exploring like the bunny ranch and some situations there. And so it was, uh, it stuck in my head and I put it on my list and then I just, I got to it recently and yeah. I mean, talk about people working hard for the money. No shit. You know, and then struggling to have basic rights within that as well. So, and certainly, you know, there's a lot of other issues um, separate even from what they're talking about, you know, that like for transgender yes. um, people, particularly in the mm-hmm. industry. And they cover a little bit of that, but neither of them are. So they don't, they're not, that's not their first place that they go in terms mm-hmm. of examples because they're trying to keep it very authentic to what sure. they've experienced yeah. but they acknowledge that there's a lot of other areas too and they acknowledge how those theories are going to affect all those sections of people so mm-hmm. man i'd be curious too because i know we've talked in the past like i uh, recommended the show the deuce mm-hmm. and talked about how the sex workers were always the ones getting you know like they didn't get all the money. They were working hard for the money. They yeah. didn't get all the money. All right. the like the mafia and everyone up here was mm-hmm. getting all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, do they talk about that at all? Yeah, they do. They talk yeah. about some of that, the theories of, of how that works. They also talk a lot about kind of breaking the stereotype that um, certainly no one's going to argue that there aren't people that are taken advantage of in mm-hmm. the sex industry. I mean, that's part of it for sure. And part of the reason that people are concerned from a human rights perspective of how to make it work. But they also talk about some areas of it that are working really well. That mm-hmm. could be that model could be rolled out so that everyone could be in a you know better, safer environment. Mm-hmm. And they really are very positive and encouraging about the fact that there are women that they're choosing this this is what they want to do and i love how the book opens it opens with like we're um we're your neighbor we're sitting next to you at pta we're behind you in the grocery line where you know like you don't it's not as this hidden thing that everyone thinks it is Mm -hmm. it's a lot more prevalent than people realize so i like that yeah it was very interesting really well done and did you look, um, you mentioned the press, did you look at some of the other kind of stuff that they have in the catalog? Uh, I did a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. There was some great stuff in there. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, way to plug a deal for the readers right, right now. Get in on it. Get in on this yes. deal. Man, thinking about working hard for the money. I've got a pop culture pick. Ooh, yes. It's called Alias. It's a TV oh, show. Yeah. Did you ever watch Alias? No, okay. but man, I remember it. Yes. This TV show ran from 2001 to 2005. Mm-hmm. All five seasons are now available on Prime Video. Oh. So this is a perfect binge yes. if you want to get in on this. Jennifer Garner is forever Sydney Bristow yeah. to me. And also Bradley Cooper. Before he became a star, is her friend Will. He's forever her friend Will yeah. in my head. So Sydney, Jennifer Garner is a young CIA agent in L.A. She's working for a super secret branch of the CIA called SD6. And she's not supposed to tell anyone about her work. She tells everyone she's a banker and she's a grad student. But she just got engaged. And she loves her future husband and wants to start their future without lies. So she tells him. 
And when she's on assignment one time uh, after this, SD6 finds out that her fiancé knows and they kill him. So Sydney Bristow is furious. She's scared. And she's threatening to leave. And that's when her dad shows up. All Sid has known about her dad is that he works in shipping and they don't have a good relationship. But guess what? He's a spy, too. Oh. And he reveals the truth that SD6 is not actually CIA. It's a terrorist organization. So. Ah, uh, that's a good Very punch. twisty. Yeah. And what's a girl going to do? She's going to go to work. She's going to approach the real CIA with what she knows so she can take down SD6 as a double agent. Wow. She's working hard. She is for working. probably very little money. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, you get all sorts of crazy missions. You get intense family drama. You get forbidden love. Oh. You get fake deaths, amazing conspiracy theories and secret societies, and so many wigs and outfits that Sydney Bristow wears. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it can sound kind of ridiculous. It's so good. I love it so much. I've probably watched the entire series three or four times. Really? I, yes. Okay. I love it. I remember when it came out and thinking, oh, I should, and then I yes. never did. So maybe yes. now's the time. Well, and I chose for this theme because, you know, Sydney is obviously getting shit done. Um, she's protecting herself, her friends, her loves, her principles. But yet she's, there's something, I think it's Jennifer Garner herself. Yeah. That you, you still feel like she's sort of normal. Like she's an every girl. She's very a, approachable like uh it, in my mind we're good friends oh, and okay. all right so i think you're gonna have that uh feeling as well if you watch it oh. and i think we should just try and pursue that okay yeah. i'm in okay yeah I, I don't even have to watch it to tell you i'm in <laughs> so <laughs> i follow her on instagram she's as you should as i should and she's uh very approachable there too like she just she's pretty great yeah and yeah like she's our, she's our friend okay i'll accept that <laughs> blindly for you she's our friend and there we are <laughs> now that said in that friendship i would bring nothing to it she would have all sorts of great stories about you know her career yeah about her marriage her her children like yeah. all all of the things uh, i i wouldn't have a lot to talk about but Feral man, cat club that's true that's gripping right there but i could be a good listener what well, also true right yeah 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 so you know yes i mean and she's not gonna replace you obviously well no but I she's gonna be worried. No, no she's gonna be a real good friend but yeah. not like it'd be a really good third wheel yes <laughs> <laughs> we'd make a great tricycle <laughs> yes i think we should um try and get her on zoom Okay. And, you know, have a talk with her. Yeah, about... I wouldn't sweat and then just no, pass out. not at all. No, that wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> Judging by our reactions to some of our author interviews, not at all. No, not at all. Mm -mm. I mean, that is something to admit. We get very nervous for some of our author interviews. I feel like there could be a whole bonus series we put out of just you and I's conversations before and after <laughs> oh my the God. interviews. Don't even release the interview. Nope. Just Amy and Aaron before, <laughs> Amy and Aaron after. <laughs> Where we're psyching ourselves up beforehand, yeah. but also okay. freaking the F out. Yes. Like, oh, God. Okay. Oh, God. What okay. if this goes bad? Yeah. yeah. And then afterwards, when it invariably goes great, yes. we're like, we are the best. And then also we're invariably in love with these we people. We are always in love with we're them. Always in love with yeah. them. Yeah. As we should be, really. As, yeah, they are fantastic. And as all of you should be if you, you really listen should. to them. Yeah. You should. Yeah. Well, my uh, pop culture this pick this week, I brought someone that I have been a huge fan of. Clear back from like middle school, high school days. Ooh. At that time, she was an anchor on a little something called Channel One News. I don't know if you remember that, but it was piped in to our school like it was Ooh, a. We didn't have that. Okay, it was, and it was like a national thing. Certain schools had it that like it was like at you know like maybe that little fifteen minute period after lunch or whatever mm -hmm. they would play it or in the morning. And it just gave quick like news updates of what was going on in the world, and then sometimes they did an in depth story. But that's when I fell in love with Lisa Ling because oh, she was on channel one. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yes, she was. And then she went on to do amazing things because yeah. she's just this incredible journalist. And now I'm in love with her because she does a little show called This Is Life with Lisa Ling, which started in 2014. It airs on CNN. Um, and she's done some other ones like uh, she has a digital online um, season of the show called This Is Sex, where she specifically just explored different 
sex oh, ideas like and you. topics. Like telemarketing and asking elderly yes, people to talk yeah, about sex. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it all comes back around. Exactly. You're just channeling your Lisa Ling. I am. That's it. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to be her hard. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She has another one called, I think, This Is Birth or This Is Something, where she went through her, I don't know if it was her first or second pregnancy, but talked a lot about that industry. But the This Is Life, it's the original, started in 2014. And she explores all kinds of different topics. Um, and what it is supposed to be is kind of a, a side of society or a part of life that not a lot of people know about that maybe doesn't get talked about, maybe a different side of it. Like on one of her episodes, she specifically focused on dads that had been hurt or felt abandoned by the justice system during a custody battle Mm -hmm. that they felt that they were discriminated against um generally that's not the side that we hear we you know we usually hear the other side so that's what i mean she kind of gets into a topic in a different way um i've watched one there was about um a couple that decided that they were going to bring on a sister wife and how that like what the actual feelings were about that how they went about it but what's terrific is that regardless of how you feel about the topic she always presents it in this way that's very interesting you get gripped in and she has this like very subtle interview style and approach that I've always had such a huge respect for because I think it's always harder to show restraint than it is to come at something really hard. And she's very good at being very respectful. She's almost just like an observer and she asks just the right questions to get it to move along, but not, it's not ever voyeuristic. You know, it doesn't cross over into that kind of reality TV where like, gotcha. yeah, you yeah. want the drama, you want the mm-hmm. messy. Like it's, that's not what this is. Um, and so go into it with that in mind. I mean, this is documentary. This is supposed to be informational you know I love reality TV as much as the next person. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. This is very, um, really getting at the heart of how someone feels about something. So I, it was, I love it. I could see like you wanting to be Lisa Ling because she's so cool. She is. Yeah. And so like down to earth mm-hmm. and or that's how she seems, I guess. But I would have to imagine with mm-hmm. all that she's done and traveled and all the stories she's covered and you have to be open-minded to come up with those topics and really approach them the way she does to give you the whole picture without even having to be I mean people obviously just feel very comfortable with her too I mean it's very she seems very easy to talk to which is very helpful in this kind of line Mm. of work I would say but she's a hustler she's working hard for that money she is working hard for the money (laughs) hard also that whole uh mention of sister wife that have you and Mike ever considered taking on a a sister wife no okay Mm -mm. no that's a hard pass yeah 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 that's not a not a it's not a concept i can totally wrap my head around no Mm -mm. no Mm -mm. i have a hard enough time understanding polyamory Mm -hmm. and like the idea of like you know carrying on multiple relationships just because from my own personal thing i think i'd be way too selfish and jealous i wouldn't be able to deal yes that's what it is for me too i can understand it i think from a level of there is some when done correctly Mm -hmm. from my understanding there is a level of like support that's interesting between the women you know you kind of have a a community raising your kids and they have a chance to have a way bigger family and Mm -hmm. uh, you know some of that experience I can see why that would seem like great but for me personally like my gel it would ruin that yeah 100% yeah yeah no way I don't think I'd be able to be friends with a woman that's also yeah sleeping with my husband yeah I just it's like you said I just my own yeah, my I'm, own mm-hmm. personal stuff. I would have a hard time. Absolutely. With that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And also, I don't have that kind of energy. That's just no. another relationship to maintain. Yes. How no. am I going to have it all if I got a wife to worry oh, about God. on top of a husband? Yeah, you got to keep her happy too. Yeah. That's like, too much. That's too much. No. No, thank you. Yeah. That's a good point. They probably ask the Mormon wives to have it all, and that means they have to deal with like four extra women yes. in their life. Yes. Ugh. Right? Exhausting. Super exhausting. <laughs> and they're not getting money. Sister wives, are they working hard for the money? Well, some maybe of them they do. Yeah, yeah they true. all contribute generally then. Some of them do, some of them don't, but they contribute to like a one family budget generally. That's my understanding. Mm, okay. I'm sure it works different in every family. I'm but sure it does. <laughs> I don't, so I don't know why I felt like I could speak to that, but there you go. Do you remember me talking about the weird, uh, all the weird people that lived on my street growing up and one of them was the house that looked like they were straight up Colt, yeah, prairie dress people. I bet there was a sister wife in there somewhere. Oh, you think? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, she was probably hiding in the yeah. basement or something. Yeah, 
Because every time they came out, yeah, it was long dresses, long braids. Yeah. Couldn't quite tell if one of the girls was a daughter or a sister wife. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. You know what I could do? What? I could be a sister cat lady with you. <laughs> yeah, you I'd could. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Just take the husband part out. For real? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though you're allergic to cats. Right. So, you know, just the, the Well, you're term. keeping them outside right exactly. now. Exactly. So it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> totally fine <laughs> all right good well just go home and tell mike that now you've become you know sister cat lady yeah and you got a split time with uh me and him yeah sorry so yeah sorry about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well good thing it's we can play this <laughs> <laughs> don't know how to wrap that one up no nope, no transition there just off into the sunset as sister cat ladies <laughs> picturing us like thelma and louise Driving off the cliff as sister cat ladies. You know what I picture? What? Some weirdo from a carnival drawing us as a caricature with a bunch of cats around us. Why? I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, we have a, a like a coven of cats. Mm-hmm. Like I'm picturing like a circle. And he drew us like really happy. Yes. They always exaggerate everything on the caricatures. I'm picturing like because we both have resting bitch face so mm, they would exaggerate mm-hmm, that resting mm-hmm. bitch we would look like straight up witches with all of the cats yeah, around looking yeah. real fierce mm-hmm. resting bitch. <laughs> how dare you I do not have a resting <laughs> I couldn't even say it because I totally do so we both and do. I'm okay with it I'm totally okay with yeah. it yeah mm-hmm well, guess what? We'll be back next week. Maybe we'll update you on this whole sister cat lady. We'll let you know. Um, yeah, scenario. Mm-hmm. But yeah, until then. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night. Another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.